This is Unfilter, episode 68 for September 25th, 2013. <laughs> right now, the, the, the debate that's going on in Congress uh, is not meeting the test of helping middle class families. It's just, uh, they're, they're not focused on you. They're focused on politics. They're focused on trying to mess with me. They're not focused on you. They're not focused on you. On this episode of Unfilter, this week marked the five-year anniversary of the collapse of Lehman Brothers, the investment bank which triggered the largest financial crisis since the Great Depression. And it also marked the second anniversary of Occupy Wall Street, and all while the establishment uses false metrics to assure us that everything's going in the right direction. But the cold numbers paint a much different picture on the eve of another political showdown that threatens yet another government shutdown. We'll dig into the fundamental issues that leave us boiling like frogs. Then it's your feedback, our follow-up, and much, much more on this week's episode of Unfiltered. And welcome again to another edition of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you really should not be watching. Happy autumn, everybody. Hopefully you guys are having a stellar day. And joining me, as always, on this lovely show is Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Oh, hey there, Mr. Chase. Hey, Watch buddy. out. There be dragons in this episode. What? Dragons? Yeah. T- this week, we're going to talk about uh, Obamacare, oh, the no. economy. Oh, no. It's going to be and it's gonna be very U.S.-centric. It's oh, all no. the things our audience loves. Oh, no. <laughs> well, wait, 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 Chris. Um, I have to ask you something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're, what country do you live in? United States of America? But wait, Chris, you're not qualified to talk about America. <laughs> well, you know, Chase, sometimes it does feel like that because we're in the trenches. But no, my friend, who better than us, actually? And this is, by the way, the last episode the next week when we're on the air. Obama- episode 69. That's not where I was going. Oh. I was just going to say. I thought that's where you were going. No, that's not where I was going. Oh. No, I was, I, I was just, just going to mention that this is the last episode before Obamacare kicks in. Episodes. Oh yeah, this is it. This is our. This is this is Obamacare Eve episode. <laughs> Wait, you mean I can go online to the uh, exchanges um, and take a look? I know the Washington State Exchange website yeah, is there. Um, well, not yet, Chase. Oh, not yet. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, however, yes, um, that is just one of the many things. It turns out Obamacare, the economy, and Ted Cruz—all of these things are intertwined, and we're going to get to all of them this That's week. Right. We got a big week. Big week, Mr. President and Chase. They're both here today. That's right. Uh, uh, President Clinton's here. Uh, he got to uh, speak in on the supporter show yeah, today. Yeah. He, nice. uh, he's taking a break because he's eating some uh, barbecued chicken. He really likes the ribs. He loves the pulled chicken and the ribs. I, love, I, like the, you know, Chris, I know, I know, Mr. President. I know. I, I, I know, Mr. President. Yeah. 
Um, why don't we start, though? Just keep eating. Mr. As Mr. is perdition, even though the mainstream media is trying to push the NSA headlines to the back pages, every now and then something sneeps, uh, something uh, bubbles up, you might say, oozes up to the top Ooze? chase, and uh, the Unfiltered Show scoops it up and presents it to you now. Uh, nice, this is, tasty scoop. Yeah, like a little bit of maybe sprinkles on top. Yep. Now, this week like uh, in the subreddit, we had an interview linked with um, Snowden's lawyer. Now, okay. this is translated, so I didn't grab a ton of it. However, I want to play a little bit of a piece of where they talk about him running out of money because he's paying for his own private protection. Oh, really? Man. Then who protects him? It's not necessarily security services that protect him. But who does? Is it some kind of a private firm? There are plenty of private security companies, and he has friends who have lived in Russia for a long while and know the country well. I can't go into details on this subject. Just tell me who pays for these services. Does he pay his bodyguards out of his own pocket? I can only say that Edward has almost run out of money. Currently, we are working to set up a bank account for donations. So who pays for his bodyguards? So far, he has been paying them himself from the money he had. But like I said, he's almost out of money. So I'd like to thank everybody who helped raise the money both in Europe and Russia. His father is coming to Russia and his mother may be coming too. So it's very odd. There's been quite a bit of money that's been raised, but I guess maybe one of the problems is now getting yeah. him that money. Well, yeah, because uh, obviously the U.S. was locking a lot of that down. Is that maybe why the dad's coming to Russia Ooh, that's to, a good... to like sign up an account or something? Well, you know, you know it's like uh, you would sign in a, a safe deposit box for your kids. Yeah, right. Maybe it's the same kind of concept. But it's interesting that they're announcing that the dad's coming because, you know, that's going to be a monitored trip. Yeah. Uh, so there was a uh, little thing going on at the U.N. this week, and uh, a few of the uh, wheel- world leaders, like, oh, the Iranian president, our very own Mr. Obama, which we covered in the supporter show, and, uh, of course, the Brazilian president, uh, and as well as many others, had some good speeches, some real robust discussions happened at the UN. And of course, uh, the Brazilian president, Rosalif, Rosalif, not quite sure how you say her name. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Uh, she says the uh, U.S. NSA surveillance is a breach of international law. Uh, she's la- she launched into a blistering attack on the U.S. espionage at the U.N. General Assembly, accusing the NSA of violating international law by indiscriminate collection of personal information of Brazilian citizens and economic espionage targeted at the country's strategic industries. She's angry, Chase, and she said it was a direct challenge. Grr. This is a direct challenge I'm making to President Obama, uh, who was uh, waiting in the wings to deliver his own uh, speech right after that. They've also announced that they're going to be spending a ton of money to redo the cybersecurity for their big petroleum industry. One of the world's biggest oil companies will spend $9 billion on cybersecurity after reports that it's been targeted by U.S. spies. That's today's Latin America report. It's more of a fallout from those allegations of spying by the National Security Agency. Brazil's Petrobras will ramp up its data security program. Over the weekend, there was a report that the NSA had targeted Petrobras along with Brazilian politicians. Lawmakers there are furious. There's even talk that Brazil may force telecom companies to use only locally made equipment. That is today's Latin America report. Which is ironic because the U.S. had uh, issued warnings about using uh, Chinese telco equipment, and now uh. here is Brazil issuing warnings about using U.S. telco equipment. So there's nine billion bones on uh, re- re-securing their cyber infrastructure because the NSA was caught spying on them. It also came out today that the NSA, we know that the FBI held files on uh, folks like Martin Luther King. Well, it turns out 
The NSA was also monitoring folks like Martin Luther King and, and as, as well as other civil rights leaders. And on top of that, it also came out that the NSA planted bugs at the Indian missions in D.C. Uh, this is according to uh, top secret documents obtained by the Hindu. The NSA selected India's U.N. office and the embassy as, quote-unquote, location target for infiltrating their computers and telephones with high-tech bugs, which might have given them access to vast quantities of Internet traffic, emails, telephone, and office conversations, and even official documents stored digitally. Though uh, emails, though emails sent to India's New York mission have remained unanswered so far, an Indian diplomat told the Hindu that the NSA eavesdropping might have done extensive damage to India's stand uh, on many international issues ranging from the UN Security Council reforms to peacekeeping operations. If they could implant bugs inside communications equipment of European Union offices here and tap into communication cables as well, there is no reason to believe they couldn't snoop on all of us, said the diplomat speaking on conditions of anonymity. How does this make you feel? I mean, seriously, I mean, this kind of thing, like, for, here we are, you know, we're like the pot calling the kettle black, right? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're, we, we unite, we bring people together. Well, and, and we've and, been, we've been blasting Russia and China and even Iran for their cyber attacks. Oh, and, yeah, their hacker building. And you remember, and we covered, we covered all of the uh, stories about Chinese doing cyber espionage, and here we are caught red-handed doing espionage on the uh, Brazilian oil company. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, what concerns me, so... Does it surprise me we are spying on foreign entities and foreign diplomats? No. No, because because that's what the NSA does. Well, not only that, but there these uh, these foreign entities are spying on us, right? Sure, that too. So and and you know there's some, you could say there's some justification from a national security standpoint to monitor and see what's going on. It's you know Obama and the uh, whoever's in charge needs to has all the information available at any given time. Okay, so I you can make that argument and I can be like mm hmm mm hmm there mm -hmm, there's some points to that. What I'm concerned about is as revelations continue to come out, I think what we find is a lot of times. This, this spine is being directed by corporate interest, oil or whatever it might be. Well, what do I always say, Chris? Follow the money, Chase. Follow the money. That's right. And, you know, that's the, the oil trail. Right now it's oil. It can't, it's it oil. can't And it can't last forever, though. No, that's why it's becoming even more important. As it becomes more scarce, it even becomes more about oil, I think. Yeah. So as but it's, it, it's going to reach an apex, though. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get to a point where it can't be about that, you would think. I think it's about. I think it becomes more about that until every last drop is pumped oh, out of the ground, gosh. because it's more about securing the remaining reserves, about having control, about managing the price, about making sure it's sold in U.S. dollars. I mean, you, th you know, I, it's just it's so important to the U.S. economy in so many aspects. Uh, the reserve world currency, you know, oil plays a huge part of that. And yeah. It's really kind of and – and then it allows us to print money, and this all gets into the economic discussion we're about to have, but it, it's all kind of an intertwined situation. Yeah, but we got to get out of it. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to get green here in – sorry. Why did that – I muted this earlier. <laughs> the HTC One has some speakers on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bing! That was the president's phone. Yeah. Uh, but no, one thing that bugs me is we know that there's a limited supply. Okay? Right, yeah. We know. Unless – well – Unless we're being lied to about that. Well, so it, it see, I think what you got to think. Don't think of oil as um, a good that you use. Think of oil as a precious commodity like gold. And right. oil is the real currency of the world. Oil is the true one currency, and and oil has all of these amazing properties that make it great for it because it has such amazing uses, and because it is so limited, and because it is so controlled, it's just perfect. And so, the less oil there is, the more valuable it is. Well, you can say that about anything. Yeah, well, anything like oil and gold, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of um, interest in it. Chris, you need to start drilling in your backyard. You might have some oil back That there. would be awesome. Yeah. My family up in Canada actually has oil pumps on their land, and oh. the way it works up there is 
after a certain depth into the ground, you no longer own that piece of land that goes back to the government. So what? So the government has to um, rent the surface area that the pump sits on, but doesn't actually have to pay them for the oil in the that ground. That is ludicrous. <laughs> you don't own the land down to a certain depth? They're like, no, yeah, there's, that's how it is. That, maybe that's Canada. <laughs> but that is, yeah, it's Canada. Yeah. But here in the States, you, yeah. you own oh, yeah. everything. That's down how we got oil rich, man. That's how we got oil money. I just thought that was an interesting thing, though, because I, the Canadian government saw the way that wind was blown. It was like, you know what? Hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Wow. So we got a lot to get into today. And, yeah. um, you know, the Unfilter Show, Chase, it's a little different than your average yeah, show. Yeah, now, the thing about the Unfilter Show, Chris, is as What's we've thing, talked Chase? about before, it is a listener-supported show. A listener-supported endeavor, you might say. And and the reason is simple. You know, we, we cannot appease every single advertiser out there on the planet because <laughs> cause if we try, we would fail miserably. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, true. I think we've all seen the damage that uh, chasing the money and chasing. Okay, I guess it's you mean follow money. Follow, using, you're right, using. You're, right. Come on, yeah. uh, that's my name. What, what, I, I get. There's a fundamental core truth to the to uh, to advertising on a show, and it it generally I don't believe generally impacts a show except for when it comes to news coverage. And the and that is if you have advertisers, it is always within your best interest to have as many viewers as possible. You know, that's fine for 90% of the types of content that is out there. But when it comes to honest analysis of the daily events, things that are going to be historical, things that when you listen to this show, I hope from a year from now, from two years from now, you'll be like, wow, those guys really zeroed on, zeroed in on the really important things that happened that week that I needed to be aware of. To do that kind of coverage, it's not about chasing the numbers. It's about being following honest to the content. The right. Following the numbers. It's about being honest to the content and being yep. honest to our supporters. So we're trying yep. to reach 333 monthly supporters. Now, to Chris, make this show possible. Chris, why 333? So that's the math of one day of production cost for the Unfiltered show. And that just covers the actual running cost. And I, and not everyone can subscribe, but if you can, go over to the Unfiltered show notes and you'll see the supporters button right there. You click that. It's a $5 a month fee. And boom, then you get the supporters show, which includes a whole other show at this point. The supporter show is running know, in at Chris, an hour 18. You know, Chris, you, you used a bad word there. What? Fee. I don't call it a fee. No. I call it a, a contribution. Yeah. Because fee implies That's sometimes true. negativity. That's true. It's not a fee. It's not a fee. It's a, it's, it, you're supporting the show. Yeah, you're, you're opting in instead yeah. of opting out. Um, and if you can't do that, I also want to remind folks that we do have the Jupyter Broadcasting browser extensions that automatically take your shopping session at places like Amazon, ThinkGeek, Newegg, um, Woot.com, Monoprice. And by the way, we recently pushed out some updates that added new features, but they disabled that plugin across the Chrome browser. So you have to go manually re-enable that, and uh, that's pretty key. We've had we've had about um, a 60% wow. drop-off wow, because of that. that. And so uh, last month, we had a massive dive in our intake in the affiliate uh, revenue, and that is that you know that is one of those things where the way we've structured it is I try to make every show try to cover its basic costs. That's what I'm trying to do with Unfilter. This is not me making a threat, but if these funds dry, dry up, just as a disclaimer, this show is the first to go. Yep. That is just because it is the most expensive show to produce yep. and it takes the most time. Yep. And so that is just me. That's where I cut. And also right now does not generate revenue. Yep. So that's where I have to cut. So I, I, any I am not help... slaving enough. I am so sorry. <laughs> right. right. Let it's, me get back on my hands and Chase, knees. Chase, if you could just work harder and, uh, <laughs> oh, and whip people into action. <laughs> no, really, if everybody just either uh, becomes yeah. an unfiltered supporter or uh, uses the affiliate links or our browser extensions, that would help a lot. The way, the way I look at it is this, you guys. There's a lot of you guys out there have your your addictions you have your habits uh, for example there's a lot of you that go to that famous coffee place 
There's a lot of you that go to that famous letter M that serves food. All we're talking here is one extra value meal or one coffee. That's all really what it comes down to. And when you do that and support uh, this, you know, it's, it's it means a whole lot. And then all we have to worry about is really reporting to you guys, not to the sponsors, not to anything, anything like that, just to you. And, you know, I know you hate it when I do this, but I just wanted to play an example uh, and it's so bad. We got to show the video. I put it. I hit it on your desktop. It's right behind the chat room right there. Uh, go ahead and start playing and then I'll play it over here um, or I'll play this first. This is for real. I am not making because, you know, we have a let's ask the chat room segment. That's a total joke. Yeah, they're doing this for real. Live from Studio 3A in Rockefeller Center, USA, it's time for Up Against the Clock. Can you believe this? This is MSNBC. Now, uh, I want to play it just because it's horrible, for one, but it's also like their attempt to deliver information in an entertaining way, and it's so pathetic and so pandering. So I'm going to play a little bit, and I'll, I'm going to jump ahead. Say hello. Happened in politics this past week. We're going to play Here we go. today. If you joined us last week, you may notice that we have tweaked the format a little bit today. The name of the game is now Up Against the Clock, and it's real simple. This is a rapid-fire quiz about what happened in politics this past week. We're going to play for five minutes. There'll be five minutes on the clock, and we're going to squeeze in as many questions as we can. They are valued at 100, 200, and 300 points. These are looking pretty good. They are, the I know. They're going to be worth. There are also a few instant bonuses scattered in here in these questions. We'll explain those when we we get to them. Contestants, remember, you will be penalized oh, for God, incorrect answers. And if you ring in before I finish <laughs> you the, question, hear the question, you'll be frozen out for three seconds, three potentially pivotal seconds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is a news network. Audience here in the studio. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. First, Our contestants require absolute concentration when they're up. This is MSNBC. Also, to those of you joining us and playing along at home, I apologize. We will not have the scores for the players on screen during this. We're still working on this. It's a work in progress. But our, <laughs> our trusted producer, uh, Casey, who's just off camera, will be keeping score there. I will be updating you periodically. So Can you believe they're doing this? Who's winning and who's losing? Contestants, are you ready to play? Ready. Yes. They sound minutes. ready to yeah. me. <laughs> Hands on buzzers, please. We'll put five minutes on the clock, and away we go. Yeah. First question. This is the 100-point round. How many Republicans voted against the continuing resolution that strips funding for Obamacare that passed the House on Friday? <laughs> Crystal. One. One is correct, and this is... All right, bonus you get the idea. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. Fake laugh track and clapping in the background. By yeah. And by the way, the video is not synced up to the audio, so don't even try. It doesn't really right. matter, you doesn't guys. It doesn't matter. It's, we just wanted you to see it. We wanted yeah. you to see it. And actually, I don't need to have sound to look at her. I know, what? Right? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? All right, well, what? well, you can finish that up if you know what I mean. I will thank our new supporters <laughs> oh, this week. Uh, Timothy B., Elvis K., Harry oh. P., Tyler D., and then I'm going to say a VG. Avi. Avi, and then Chris L., I want to thank all 176 of our unfiltered supporters. We've we lost a few this week, but we also gained a few, and I appreciate. You know that. what? You know, like we we do our best. We know that obviously the economy is still tough for a lot of you, and we're going to get into that yeah, here. Yeah. And you know what? If if you can't uh, contribute, there are many other free ways to contribute. One yeah. of those ways is by just telling somebody about the show. Yeah, that's a very good point. And and you can also join us live and uh, contribute in our chat room. We're always watching you guys and. You know, taking what you, or at least ignoring what you have to That's say. That's right. We try to at least ignore that. Yep. All right. Now, since I didn't want to follow up that embarrassment with an ask the chat room, we're just going to move right into our next 
Yeah, segment. I was going to say. It's I mean, just be too embarrassing. Wait, I mean, be like, wait a minute. Who's does a crazy game but show segment? But we do it segment? as a joke. Yeah. Like, we do it as, wait, an, wait, as a joke. Wait, wait, they, wait. They download Unfilter. That's what that's what the chat room was thinking. <laughs> they download Unfilter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Although I think I like our music better. But uh, all right. So uh, I want to move into the uh, – I'm calling this segment Economic Dissonance because I feel yeah. like – we are living in a holodeck, a, a holodeck of a virtual reality of an economy where we all have have tricked ourselves by watching stock prices. And um, I want to uh, the way I want to start this segment off is by picking up on a thread that we touched on last week. Wednesday of last week, uh, the Federal Reserve had announced they're going to continue a quantitative easing as expected. And remember, my reaction was, wow. But the first thing that jumps out at me is Wall Street is thrilled about this. And what Bernanke is really saying is the economy is screwed. Well, Ron Paul had a chance to sit down and share his thoughts on it. And I think well, it's a great place to start. And then we'll move from there. I want to ask you about the front page news in almost every newspaper this right. morning. Fed stays on easy money course. Quantitative easing continues. What's your take? Well, I'm not surprised, but uh, the markets were certainly surprised yesterday, but I think it's a, a, a major admission by Bernanke that things aren't good. You know, the fact that he's doing this and all the markets anticipated, well, maybe the economy has improved. He's literally saying we're in bad shape. And yet the markets didn't interpret it that way because the markets are reflecting just that easy money going into stocks, but it doesn't help those 99% or at least the large middle class and the poor won't help them one bit. They're still going to have trouble getting jobs but uh, so there's a lot of disconnect here a lot of disconnect here which is what i was saying as well look at look at wall street just love this free money Uh, and so as part of the overall piece is there's been a trend going on for a while now where there's this massive gap a widening between the top income earners and the middle class and people who are poor now what what is what is their definition of rich and poor it so well they'll break it down right here actually all right that's a good question chase yeah. New study finds that the top 1% of Americans earned 20% of the country's total household income in 2012. So they're looking at how much money uh, uh, the total average person makes versus the people that are at the top of the income earners. So they're looking at the actual amount of income earned just based on you know ratio. Right, okay. That breaks the previous record, which was set back in 1928, the year before the historic stock market crash, of course. Well, Steve, okay, I said we were going to try and find some good news. This is hard to understand because all we're hearing is that there are signs of recovery. I have have great news for the 1% and even better news for the 0.01%. Yeah, Yeah, this is actually what's interesting is we talk about the 1%, but there's actually even a 0.1% that's really doing good. But not such good news for... uh, for everybody else, but you, you you mentioned a little bit of what's come out. There have been some new numbers on income inequality from the, the gurus of income inequality, and the news is really pretty terrible. What you see is that over the past three years, if you look at the second bar from the right, during this recovery, when the economy has been getting better, 95% of every additional dollar earned in this country went to the top 1%. So since the recovery from 2008, of a new revenue that's been generated, 95% of all of that money went to the top 1%. Now, I'm a layman, Chris. Mm -hmm. You know, I work hard. You know, I pay my bills. I do what I'm supposed to do. Good man, Chase. For an unemployed man. Yeah. I don't understand. (laughs) What I don't understand is how does that work with 
in the real world of things. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me because right. you know everybody makes money, then pay their bills, and they always yeah. tend to it, have extra. What does that? How does that work? It's the financial institutions, and right now they are raking in so much money, and it, and and it's just numbers that change in a database. So wow. it's not like it's bags of cash. It's not even big paychecks in some cases. It's literally like. Okay, so think about what the Federal Reserve is doing with this quantitative easing. Is they're cha- they're not they're not printing coins and then giving bank bankers coins. Yeah, they're changing fields in a database and saying, okay, well, once had ten thousand dollars and it now has twenty thousand. Now has ten million. Now has fifty million. Now has eighty. Million, and they just keep changing the number. And and then the bankers can use this money to place risky bets, to buy assets that are a little crazy, all kinds of things, manipulate markets. So when can I get access to my spreadsheet and add a number or zero? <laughs> when can I do that? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that. 5% went to the other 99%. 32. So 5% of the new money earned went to the other 99% of U.S. citizens. 2% went to the top 0.01%. That's 35. When the economy has been getting better, 95% of every additional dollar earned in this country went to the top 1%. 5% went to the other 99%. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Pause for a minute. Did you hear her whispering under that? I think she said that's crazy. Yeah. I think that's what should I play it again? Yeah, I'll play it again. Yeah, I because th- I, I recovery when the economy listen. has been getting better. Ninety-five percent of every additional dollar earned in this country went to the top one percent. Five percent went to yeah. the other ninety-nine percent. Thirty-two percent went to the by that. top point oh one percent. That's thirty-five thousand Americans got thirty-two percent of all the income gains. So 30, 35,000 Americans, less people that listen than, than listen to this show, got. What did he say? What was it? Got 30% of the gains? Americans got 32% of all the income gains. Look at that. 32%. That, that is crazy, right? And uh, so there's a lot of things at play. There's no singular answer. There's there's government policy that causes this. There's the fact that the rich have the capacity to get richer and the poor don't uh, because, you know, the rich have the money to buy the assets and yep. whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, Fox News, and I don't mean to beat on Fox News. I love to beat on MSNBC, but Fox News, I think maybe they figured it out. It's because poor people like to eat turkey. Some of these high income earners. Charles, you can't, overlook, you can't overlook the disparity, right? The, the, the wealth is more concentrated in the top 5% than ever before, and more people are on food stamps. So there is a disparity. You want to explain uh, that? I tell you what, the day, Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving, when you get a chance after you eat your turkey, go to the mall. You want to see why the rich get richer? Because poor people are going to eat a bunch of turkey, even though they're stuffed oh, to the gills. My they're going to run to the mall and spend every nickel they have. I'm oh, being honest with you here. <laughs> Wow. He's kind of right too because I yeah. mean we have a we have such a consumerist culture. Everything is buy buy buy. See, and that and that's where I I guess I I buck the trend. And right. now granted obviously it's because I'm out of work, but I've always been this way. Well, where, no, you have your you I mean you're like me like every now and then a nice gadget like a good new phone sure. or a Nexus tablet. Sure, but like yeah. for example, I would love to get myself a Tron pinball machine right now and oh, throw sure. it in my garage. And there's also like the frivolous stuff like going to the mall and buying like just tons of clothes and I know, right? Yeah, I hate I hate a lot of consumerism like that. Well, so if you're not buying it's if you're not buying it's that, then maybe you'd buy that it's, you know, because 
honestly, that does, that that explains people that have jobs. They're going and spending all their money, right? So Fox News is okay. People should be saving money too. By the right. way, if, come on, people. Because let's yeah, as if just saving the the measly means that you make from a job would actually get you rich. But that that argument aside, I'll buy it. Let's say that uh, U.S. consumers have been brainwashed to be uh, spend 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 maniacs. And then what you really got, though, is then you got this pesky unemployment problem. That's kind of hard to explain away, too, because, I mean, if you look at the unemployment situation, that could explain a lot what's going on in the economy and maybe how the economy is structured. But instead of acknowledging those limitations, let's instead blame it on the people who are unemployed. Ugh. All right, welcome to our living room. The 20-somethings are among the hardest Wait, hit when it what? comes... Wait, what? I know. It's a living room Wait, set. Wait, WTF. Funny. Listen, to when, listen to when he says that, the, his guest there, the gal, actually laughs at him for Wait, saying it. Like, going to your living room? No, welcome to our living room. Our living listen, room. Listen, she laughs at him when he says it. All right, welcome to our living room. The 20-somethings are among the hardest hit when it comes to the jobless market. F but you. if you're lucky enough to score a job, how do you keep that job? And I need you to pay attention because you're unemployed right now. Wait, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm listening very intently And here. so what Fox is going to let you know is it's not actually the employment market or um, you know, any outsourcing, globalization. It's not uh, you know, the H-1 reforms. No, no, it's actually your fault. Well, there are things you do <sighs> I feel like things you should coming. not do. Show Cassoni is here with some common mistakes to avoid. For example, Cheryl, a new yeah. job a year is not a good thing. I tell you what, these are millennial mistakes. These are mistakes that the 20-something kids are making in the workplace, and that's what we're doing all week. Too many showing jobs. It's showing them, look, it's hard to get jobs right now. Unemployment's higher for these kids. I'm trying to help them out, but I want to show you something not to do. First mistake, moving around is not always a good thing. Take a look. This is a large resume. Um, a new job every few months? I thought it was important to have a lot of experience. Okay, well, how long do you plan to work at the Cassoni Exchange? <laughs> what, that's pretty obvious, what right, Brian? Are you I mean, getting? well, not that she's going to be out of there in a year, and I don't want to hire somebody that's going to be there for a year. You need to stay two to three years at each job. You've got to show on that resume that you're willing to stick it out. Right. And plus, you need two to three years to get training to get the proper skills out of that first job to move into the next job or move up or whatever. I'm all for moving on up. Right, but yeah. the internet age taught us to move around, and that's. So, she, so it's the internet, these millennials, they, they move around a lot, the internet, just not that maybe they keep getting part-time jobs that don't pay them full benefits. And it's not the fact that there's no good employment around. No, no. It's not the fact that they have to go work for temp agencies. No, it's the fact that they don't keep a job. And, you know, they even have that, which is obviously a fake interview where she's pretending to be an interviewer and asking the millennial. But uh, it gets better. It's all about the people like Brian Kilmeade. Well, yeah, if you said when you went to a job, it's people, <laughs> not perks. It's not all about you today? It, okay. it usually is. All right, um, yes, the people definitely matter. Here's a mistake. A lot of great people have come out of the Cassoni Exchange. Uh, a former employee now, a CEO. That's great, but do you guys have company massages and like outings and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> that is not professional. Right. Not, not professional, Chase. Do you guys have Do you guys have massages and stuff? Yeah, because because that's what people are asking in interviews all the time, and that's why they're not getting jobs. Isn't that frustrating? It's like totally trivializing a massive problem. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. No one really grinds my gears. What the fuck? <laughs> Chase, sorry, Chase, I know. Sorry, I know. sorry. You're gonna hurt. You're gonna hurt people's ears. So, sorry. No, I mean seriously. Okay, you <laughs> guys break my table. Sorry about that. No. <laughs>
<laughs> I've been out of work, you guys, for almost three months now, okay? I have worked – here are the 10 years of my job. My first job out of high school, I was there for three years, okay? The mm-hmm. next job after that, I was there for two years. Job after that, 10 years. 10 years, Chase. 10 years, okay? Not only that I have tenure, not only that I have experience, but I don't give a rat's ass, honestly, about the perks. What I care about is I care about the atmosphere. I care about uh, the team that I'm going to be working with. I also care about how long they've been there. You know, it says a lot to somebody that, you know, hey, my boss has been here for 10 years because he enjoys being here at the company. You know, it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. And so when you hear these kind of stories about how it's about these 20-somethings because uh, they care about the perks or whatever. It's it's either, oh, they're too addicted to their smartphones and the internet's taught them to move around a lot, or it's, we don't have enough qualified workers, we need to bring immigrants in. Now, that's been true at some times where, for example, hey, you know, Chase, uh, and this happened to me. When I got hired out of my company, uh, Nielsen, I was living in California, okay? I was there for about a year, and they said, hey, Chase, would you be willing to relocate for us up to the Seattle? area and i said sure you know i relocated for the company it's not like i i moved and hopped around you know the the company wanted me to move okay yeah yeah you know and and so you know when when i hear this kind of crap yeah it it's to blame it's it's shifting the blame and 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 not only that here's what happens you get people and this this has happened to me okay you get people including myself who try literally i have tried for months I've been yeah. applying for work. Oh, I've been I watched very- Angela do it. You know, I watched Angela search and search and search and search and, yeah. you know, keep logs of it. And- I, yeah, I have to keep logs too. Yeah. I literally, Chris, I have a stack of printed out. Yeah. Uh, you have to turn it in, right? As a well, report, uh, kind of I, I have to keep it in case right. they want it. In case they audit. I have literally two inches worth of printed job postings that i've applied for yeah okay two inches worth right get a ruler you guys and take paper and stack it up okay so what happens is you get this mindset you get this depression that will start to set in and i bet you angela had it too where you feel like gosh i'm a damn good worker i know i'm a good person i know i can do this job very very well but i'm not even given the time or day because there are some companies out there all they care about, and unfortunately, you know, uh, it's it's about the bottom line, and I part of it is because of the Obamacare situation. It is actually yeah. because because and actually, I was reading an article earlier today. But anyway, let me finish my segment real quick before we get out of the Obamacare stuff. It really pisses me off that here are people, reporters and and so called experts who talk about how it is to get a job when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right, and they're rich. Yep. Mad and people is what grinds my gears, Tom. Tom? And uh, it's it's also about messaging yeah. to uh, like people who aren't really up on the situation because it's it's about drawing your own conclusions. If you watch that segment, be like, oh yeah, it's the kids, it's the kids. No, but that's the thing. They they, they here's a, what's the prime demographic of the people watching those programs? Probably people, probably people in their fifties and sixties. They're not going to be people that are jobless and out of work. They're not going to be people like me. I'm not watching that crap. They're people that maybe could, you know, have the no. See, the reason, okay, so no, because what happens? Is it's about talk- creating a reality. It's about creating a reality that those people can buy into that allows the current course to continue. Yeah, but not only that, but you got the the the, the middle American, middle aged, uh, you know, American who has a job or a retirement. They're watching these shows and they're like, "Yep, yeah, preach on, sister. You're telling the truth. Right. Yeah, those little kids, they don't know anything. Yeah, anymore. that guy, that guy they, sitting there, the chucklehead. They, they don't know." 
know anything about hard work anymore. And by the way, I just pulled a couple of clips. Like the thing went on for like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, because they can always talk shit about yeah. it. And yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah. And they're, and they're sitting there it laughing. It frustrates me because, you know, there are people like me that are out there. And I, I've called this months ago where I saw an article in the, yep. the local MyNorthwest.com. Yep. Yep. Uh, about about uh, companies looking for qualified candidates, and they say they can't find them, so they have to go with the the H one visa program yeah. to get qualified workers, which actually isn't always the case. So I would say, um, here's my here's what I think it comes down to: a couple of basic fundamentals about the economy, and that is what you have happen is is when you have the economic divide like it is. First of all, that fundamentally makes the economy unstable because you're consolidating your area of risk. Just fun- if, 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 at, at the basic level, if the majority of your money is in one area of the economy, and then you are at a higher exposure to risk because something can happen in that area. But also, think of it as sort of a resource, a resource that is in the economy. Think of it as, a, as something that can dry up. And if a lot of the money is diverted up to this other area, that leaves less money for the lower areas. And if you look at history as a guide, the last time economic disparity was so high, it was actually right before the Great Depression. Let me, let me just show you one last thing to put this in some historic perspective of where we are now. So right now, as you, as, uh, you mentioned during the news, the top 1% gets 19.3% of all the income in this country. That has taken us back to the same levels that we had right before the Great Depression. These are 1920s levels of income inequality. And you can see that during the 60s and 70s, it was less than half of that. So uh, this is something that I really think cannot be understated. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to head towards another economic collapse, but it is, it, is, it is certainly sort of concerning to see that, A, these too-big-to-fail institutions are actually bigger now than they were in 2007, 2008, and B, we are actually rep- we are replicating a lot of series of events that happened before the Great Depression last time. And the other thing that is maybe a little hard for all of us to keep in perspective is this isn't something that's happened just since 2008. I mean, it has definitely accelerated, and in fact, the data shows it has accelerated accelerated even faster in 2012 than it has previously, but this is actually a 30-year trend. It's been going on for so long that most of us don't even notice it. And the trend, Steve, is not political. It's been Republican presidents, it's been Democrat presidents. It's been going on for 30 years from Reagan forward or even before Reagan. Yeah, if you go back uh, all the way to 1993, the average person in the top 1% has gotten an 85% pay increase after adjusting for inflation. The the 99% has gotten a 6% pay increase after adjusting. This is over a 20-year period. Mm. 6% pay increase over a 20-year period. Um, And uh, I think the best way to kind of think of it is we are boiling frogs in a slow crisis. This isn't – so what you have is you have a a slow crisis that then pops with a large crisis, usually a bubble pop or something like that. So this is a slow burn, like a a slowly turning up the heat. The last time the income share of the top 1% was close to this high was before the Great Depression in 1929 and before the Great Recession in 2008. Should that be a warning sign? And what is it about too much wealth concentrated at the top that drives economic crises? Well, there are slow crises and fast crises, and when you have too much wealth at the top, the slow crisis is that everyone else's income is stagnating, there aren't enough jobs, there isn't enough money circulating for people to buy the goods and services that they want and need, so that leads to unemployment. That's a slow crisis. The the connection between uh, this concentration of wealth and the kind of immediate crisis you're talking about, whether it's the Great Depression or the recession, is the nature of the wealth that gets concentrated at the 
top, which is wealth from stocks, wealth from speculation, wealth from uh, highly risky financial investments. So usually when you see an enormous concentration of wealth at the top, it means that we're accumulating that kind of wealth, which is very volatile and very risky. And that's what we've seen. That's what we saw before uh, the great crash. We saw a lot of speculation bubbles in, in the stock market, a lot of gambling. We saw a lot of that again after the deregulation of the 90s in the mortgage uh, securities market and the derivatives market and elsewhere. And what this is telling us now when we see this accumulation happening again, two things. One is we didn't rescue the economy, we created a recovery for the rich and a recession for the rest. That's number one. And number two is because we did it that way, because we emphasize that kind of growth in wealth, uh, not only are the 99% suffering, but we're going back to a risky, market-based, volatile economy. And we're, we're creating a society of have and have nots. I See, mean, a huge but, gap. But also part of the problem I think it goes back to is education and, mm -hmm. and knowing there's a lot of people out there that feel like they can just get a credit card and charge it up and never pay it back. There's also a lot of people out there who do not want to take personal responsibility with their financial future and their and the money that they have. And, it's bad education. Right. And so, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors in play here. I I, I don't think it's 100% the government's fault. I don't right. think it's 100%, uh, you know, there's some personal right. responsibility that needs to be, that needs to I be mean, set. So, what ha so here's where it does, here's my, here's my theory. Here's where it does start to become the richest fault in a sense after a, a series of time. And I believe we are now, we have now entered well, we've well entered this phase of our of our republic, I guess. Uh, so here's the here's a hard fact: the 400 richest people in the United States have more wealth than the bottom 150 million people put together. And so what that gives them is the ability to buy politicians and gets them to stack the deck so then they can stack the deck for their corporations, for their cronies. And they do this for 30 years. They stack the entire system to their advantage. So while I agree, yes, it's absolutely the family's yeah. fault for not managing their funds correctly. Yeah. It's the government's fault for policies that have sure. enabled this and not managing their funds That's correctly. Yeah. And it's the wealthy sector's fault for you know laying well, down. Well, every, everybody's got a piece to blame here. And, right. and what happens is you just get a bigger and bigger wedge. In the two different, you know, our major systems, you know, the, the rich and the poor. Uh, Ex-Labor Secretary Robert B. Reich, uh, ha, he was the uh, – he served under the Clinton administration. Uh, he has a documentary coming out called Inequality for All, which uh, was at the Sundance Film Festival in January and won a special jury prize in the documentary competition. Uh, and it's going to be playing in limited areas starting that next – or starting this week, the 27th, I think. Um, so we also have some data in the show notes that kind of maps it out. Uh, this shows the incomes of the bottom 90% of Americans just for inflation across the U.S. It's pretty staggering to watch. Um, and <clears throat> all of this, all of this is in the shadow of a situation that is boiling for October 17th. The Treasury today has released that it only has $30 billion of cash on hand. And by mid-October, it has put the uh, it has put the, day, the dateline as October 17th as the day that essentially we will completely run out of money, which is, then becomes the effective deadline for Congress's action. After that date, the country could be at severe risk of missing or defaulting on some of its payments. Uh, the Treasury makes more than 80 million individual payments a month. After exhausting its extraordinary measures, which we covered last week, I think either in the main show or in the supporter show, where we talked about we were taking money from GEs and GIs and right. um, yeah, uh, it, it said it would miss about thirty percent of those payments if we miss the deadline, unless Congress raises the debt ceiling. 
Uh, according to the Bipartisan Policy Center, the Treasurer is facing a $12 billion Social Security payment on October 23rd and a $6 billion interest payment on public debt on October 31st. On November 1st alone, it needs to spend $18 billion on Medicare and $25 billion on Social Security wow. and $12 billion on military pay and veterans benefits and $3 billion on supplemental security income. So this is all – all this hits – you know, starts to be hit on October 17th. We run out of money. Congress is fighting this. The Senate is fighting this. And I truly believe that no one act- – and, and I think Ron Paul and a few others could also argue that all of this is happening – no one actually thinks the company is going to go bankrupt. It's like we've all been living under this exceptionalism doctrine for so long now that it just seems like a total impossibility. No one really believes it in the there. populace that we can actually go bankrupt. So it's a reality they don't actually assess when they're looking at the economy. Because they don't believe right. it can happen. You're but, absolutely right. And that's why we're naive. And we've had we've had the blessing of being able to issue the reserve currency of the world. So they're still taking our money. But if that were true, none of us would ever have to work again. We would just have the Fed. <laughs> You know, print money, and we would buy stuff from overseas. But that that confidence in the dollar, the confidence in our foreign policy now is starting to shake a bit, and they they go together. If we if they lose confidence in our foreign policy, lose confidence in our economy, and lose confidence in our dollars, you will see interest rates rising, and then that'll be the big issue because that will be the most significant expenditure, and nobody will have any control of it uh, because the if you have interest rates doubling or something, uh, you you can't legislate that down. So what Ron is saying there is uh, if a series of events starts to happen and interest rates start to go up, and when he says doubling, that's not actually that crazy. I mean, maybe it is. If, you're, if you have a 1% interest rate and you double it, you go to 2%, right? right yeah. That doesn't sound like a huge number. But it would actually cause a series of events in the bond market, and it would essentially lead to a pop. This kind of cascade event is not something like Congress and the Senate can have like an emergency hearing on and write a piece of law that solves the problem. Once that process starts, that's the market running on its own, and there's no way to legislate our way out of it. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're up against right now. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about this countless times on this show, that it's all about the money. Follow the money. And, you know... We, you and I, and most majority of our listeners probably have to uh, budget their lives, uh, you know, for, you know, for the incomes that they receive. Right. And the government always seems to not have to do that. And now it's going to come to a head. And it's one of those situations that we've been building to for years. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of us. Have you know you and I have grown up in a world where it has always kind of been like this, yeah. And so it is hard to truly believe that something horrible could be on the horizon because it just this is always how it's been, and it you know until you've experienced that, you know it's it's almost inconceivable. Well, and the worst thing about it is it can get really really scary. Yeah. I mean, just imagine for a minute, you guys. A lot of you may be thinking, well, you know, the government, you know, the government's going to do what the government does. Uh, you know, I'm fine. You know, I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm I'm paying my bills. But what if tomorrow you couldn't go buy the food because you, your card didn't work? You had no cash. Your cash meant nothing. Your cash was only good to wipe your butt. And I think you know what we well. How would that make you feel? I don't know if I'm so worried about that. Is I am just a lot of jo- more jobs drying up. A lot a lot of more people going on government assistance, and then just causing this accelerated effect. 
Like I, I, you know, when we when we look at the unemployment numbers, I just it looks like such bullcrap because it doesn't count people who've who've fallen off of the workforce. It, it's such a distorted yeah, number but what, now. But whatever happened to uh, to forcing the government to have a balanced budget? Whatever happened to not extending beyond your means? Well, so whatever what what happened is, to that mentality? This is the platform, and I, you know, so this so what we've just talked about. This is the background. These this is the hard numbers that. Now, uh, there's a lot of political theater going on around that is using this situation to their political advantage, but not actually addressing the core problems, but more like playing to the platitudes around it. And uh, I would say uh, Ted Cruz this week, uh, he, he's probably a pretty good example of, of, of really kind of taking what is an extremely important issue, boiling it down a bit to sort of the uh, political platitudes, and then saying, you know, oh, this is about Obamacare. This is, uh, you know, kind of just taking one issue and abstracting it a little bit. News alert. This is a Fox News alert. Senator Ted Cruz has been speaking for seven hours and 19 minutes. Go, go, go. to speak until he can no longer stand. <gasps> and you are looking live at the U.S. Senate floor where Senator Cruz and his supporters are talking in favor of defunding Obamacare. Now, they're trying to block a House-passed bill that would avoid a government shutdown. It would also defund Obamacare. But Democrats planning to cut that part out. So uh, did you hear about this Ted Cruz? It wasn't a filibuster. It was uh, a long talk. He was just talking. Because he couldn't filibuster because he wasn't delaying like anything from actually getting voted on. And, and in fact, he had to wrap up at noon because that's when they were closing. Uh, but it did bring this sort of uh, federal bu- budget, bat- budget battle kind of to the front stage for a little bit. Good morning, everyone. We begin with the federal budget battle taking center stage right now. On the <laughs> I just Senate said that floor. right now. Two stays away from the rollout of Obamacare, one conservative Republican senator launched his own all-night talkathon in protest. ABC's Tamon Bradley has the latest from Washington. Good morning, Tamon. Good morning. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, John. As Republicans move to defund Obamacare, President Obama is fighting back, even bringing in some help last night from the man he calls his secretary of explaining stuff. President Obama brought in a big gun to sell Obamacare. When you have universal enrollment, you can manage your costs better and cut inflation down. Former President Bill Clinton made the pitch with just a week left before one of the health care law's biggest changes goes into effect. On October 1st, millions of Americans will be able to shop for coverage through insurance exchanges. The uninsured must sign on or face a penalty. Opponents of Obamacare are worried that health care costs are about to skyrocket. I don't think the Affordable Care Act does anything to lower cost. Overnight, the Obama administration released new numbers on what the law will cost consumers. They say about 6 in 10 Americans without health insurance may be able to find coverage for less than $100 a month. And premiums nationwide will be about 16% lower than originally expected. The most important thing, obviously, is just to get people enrolled in this. Many of the health care law's elements are already in effect. Children can remain on their parents' insurance until they're 26, and those with pre-existing conditions are guaranteed coverage. But Republicans aren't sold. On the Senate floor, a marathon speech by Tea Party Republican Ted Cruz in support of defunding Obamacare. You know, I as as a somebody who spends some time on air throughout the week... I if so, I am very impressed by a 21 hour marathon. I mean, like he had some backup, you know, st- some guys step in for a few se- for a few minutes and ask some long winded questions. But you know, that guy basically 
Yeah. Did a show for 21 minutes, for yeah. 21 hours. That's yeah. damn impressive. Well, you know, when you're making a salary of close to 150 grand a year right. it helps. and you have full benefits of dental, vision, and medical. Thank you for mentioning the most ironic thing about all of this is we yep. have a group of uh, guys yep. standing up yep. there yep. who are fully covered. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. medicine. Yep. It's just so funny. Yep. And, and then, by the way, they also said no to a single payer system to get the same benefits that they have. Yeah. You know, so I have come around on this. Uh, I, you know, well, maybe we'll. You should ask me what I think because I'm unemployed. October first is coming along. What do you? So what do you think? I'm. What did I, you think before you were unemployed? All right. Well, before I was unemployed, I, I had I, I knew that my existing company was making changes in in uh, in response. In response. Yeah. Uh, they they were uh, benefits were were being cut. Uh, you know, uh, the choices were being cut. And the way I see it is I kind of want to see how this plays out a little bit. Yeah, that's and, how I am. That's where I am, too. Uh, now, at the same time, my when I met my wife, uh, she she did work, but her uh, employer couldn't provide her benefits. So yeah. she had to pay for her own out-of-pocket. Yeah. And it, it was very, very, very expensive. It, so we're paying for my wife and three kids right now out-of-pocket. Because right. it's so expensive, we're not paying for me. So right. I'm uninsured right so, now. So here's the thing. When, these, when, this, when, this, when this kicks off here in a week – uh, you you'll be able to go to a Washington State website yeah. and you'll be able to shop around. Now yeah. I'm a little optimistic about that because I think when health companies uh, see where people are going based upon, it, it's like shopping for car insurance and shopping for. That's what they say. That's well, what they try to we'll tell see. us. We'll see. We'll see. You know, and I think it's interesting too. This has become such a uh, so. This is this this particular issue has. Um, if I didn't really find a good way to clip this up, but it has really caused a divide in the Republican Party. Uh, you got your Grams and your McCains who are like, no, no, we don't need to do this. We don't need to threaten a government shutdown. We're going to, you know, people do not like that. Let's not do that again. That really cost us a lot. So you got your, those guys and your Carl Roves who are really like, we should not be doing this. Then you've got your Sarah Palins, your Ted Cruz, your Rand Pauls, your Tea Partiers who are like, yeah, government shutdown. Let's do it. Let's fight go, go, this. Go. And it's causing this, it's causing such a division in the Republican Party that when um, Fox News announced that they'd have Ted Cruz on their network for an interview, they got notes from high-level Republican officials on things that they wanted him to slam him on, like ask him this question, you know, take him down a notch, like that kind of stuff. Like right. there is a battle brewing yeah. inside the Republican Party. Where I'm at right now is I think what the future that our economy is moving towards, especially in the IT area, is a lot more work for hire, a lot more contract work, a lot more self employment and we'll spin it we'll call every it's the new it's the new generation of entrepreneurs that's how we'll make it sound real great and and what the reality is when you start your own small business and it's small like you're barely making it by uh healthcare is not really an option even if you have a team of like three or four you can't people, afford it no it's it's totally crazy this is not only a huge risk uh, for me as a small business owner but it, it also adds this massive amount of uncertainty in my in my budgeting and my planning which absolutely affects my purchasing decisions which then is reducing my participation in the overall economy now i don't know if this health system this obamacare is going to work out but let's say it does work out this provides people who are going to move into this shift into this entrepreneur con economy they're going to call it it's going to provide these people an, a safety net and a, a a something that will move with them between jobs between contracts and for somebody like me, it's going to give me a little bit of an insurance policy when I'm starting something out on my own, which will give me the opportunity to build this into a business that maybe employs a few people and actually contributes to the economy. So to me, it seems like a long-term play that could really either fundamentally devastate us economically or could be a huge boon. Now, here's what we do know. Right. 
is it was it, it led for it gave us the opportunity for a hell of a show, a hell of a show from Ted Cruz. And I want to play you the way CNN spins it, and then the way Fox News spins it. Are you ready for this uh, experiment? Yes. Here's I CNN. intend to speak in support of defunding and Obamacare. Now, uh, so I'm going to play this. It's a little long, but these are these are some of his highlights. Now, you tell me if maybe CNN didn't just kind of assemble this to make him sound a little silly. Until I am no longer able to stand. Most Americans could not give a flying flip about a bunch of politicians in Washington. Who cares? What the American people care about is their own lives. On a Saturday or Sunday morning when your dad's making pancakes, it is very cool when he can, like, flip them and make them, you know, make them do a flip high in the air and catch them. He also, I will, t- I will credit my father, he invented, this wasn't for the restaurant, but he did it anyway, he invented green eggs and ham. I don't believe there's been a day on this Senate floor that I haven't worn my argument boots. I took the coward's way out and so went and purchased some, some black tennis shoes. I am not in my argument boots, and, and I'll confess... I, I really do feel embarrassed by that. Some people dismiss, oh, single payer, this is designed to go there. You know, that's just crazy tinfoil hat wearing stuff. But you know, there's an old saying, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. If you will forgive me, I want to take the opportunity to read two bedtime stories to my girls. I do so like green eggs and ham. This is on the floor. Thank you. Thank you. Sam, I am. Note folks in the gallery who just waved. I'm not sure if they have their, they do have their electronics. Well, if you tweet, it may end up here and I may have the chance to, to, to read it. So he was reading tweets and then when eight o'clock comes around, that's his daughter's bedtime. So they were watching C-SPAN and he read them Green Eggs and Ham and a couple other Dr. Seuss books, which is kind of funny. Oh my so God. So CNN obviously was playing some of like, you know, over 21 hours. These are some of the zany things he said, right? These are the highlights. Yeah. And it goes on. I cut it. But here is uh, Fox News uh, playing the highlights. I intend to speak in support of defunding Obamacare. They got music. Until I am no longer able to stand. I'm happy to yield for a question without y- yielding the floor. How long will it be before Congress acts? Congress in Washington get an exemption. Socialized medicine is and has been everywhere in the world it's been implemented a disaster. I'd grab a hundred people at random. And I guarantee you they would say, we gotta fix Obamacare. This thing is hurting people. I want to take the opportunity to read two bedtime stories to my girls. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not believe we should shut down the federal government. The only reason we might shut down the federal government is if President Obama and Majority Leader Reid decide they want to force a government shutdown. Now, I do not like green eggs and ham. So obviously Fox kind of had a different take on it. They're the line. So, see, the, the right is anti-Obamacare. It's just the moderate right doesn't want to threaten a government shutdown. They'd rather punt this battle into 2014 and fight it there. That's their plan. Now, what's funny about this is, well, you know, Cruz knows that this is grandstanding for 2016 because there's no way something's going to go to Obama's desk where he's going to sign a piece of law that eliminates his signature program. Yeah, and let's be honest, he doesn't have a lot to walk away with at this point, right? He's that's got, true. He's got, he's got the gay rights stuff he's been great on, and he's got... Well, the, hey, Chris, did he shut down uh, Guantanamo Bay? No, uh, Gitmo's... Uh, in fact, not only not only has he not shut it down, they announced today the military is going to stop providing us updates on the fact that the uh, prisoners are starving themselves. They're going to start... Yeah, you know, we, don't, we don't need to update you guys anymore. Because it turns out still starving themselves. So Graham sat down on CNN's Crossfire, hosted by Newt Gingrich and, and some guy. 
and uh, they uh, were debating pew, uh, pew, Obamacare. Now, pew. Graham says, you know, Obamacare is stinking up the place. Pew. I just don't want to shut down the government. And, you know, if you don't agree with me, just ask the unions. If you look at the actual numbers, uh, job growth is continuing. 91% of all the jobs that are being created are full-time jobs. I don't understand. Now, if you're concerned about jobs in your own state, the uh, hospital association got together and they said in a report that if you fully implemented Obamacare in your home state, you get. Now, it's a little wordplay right there because he says if you fully implemented it. Uh, but he says, OK, his argument is, you know, Graham, you like jobs, don't you? And they said in a report that if you fully implemented Obamacare in your home state, you get 44,000 jobs. Why don't you want those 44,000 jobs? You're a champion <laughs> for jobs. You fought for 2,000 jobs from Boeing. Why are you flushing 44,000 jobs down the toilet in South Carolina? I never thought I'd live to hear myself say this. Listen to the unions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all, all, all I can tell you is that this thing is stinking up the place in terms of what people thought they were getting. At the end of the day, Medicare and Medicaid by 2042, these two government programs that we're talking about, are going to take more money to run than we collect in taxes today. Are you, so, are you satisfied I, I'm with, saying the, that, with the system that we have right now? Right <clears throat> no, now, I'm not. We, we, right and now I, we have big private... I'm going to challenge companies. Bernie to see if we can agree on something. Okay. If you make over $250,000 a year in retirement and you're on Medicare, you get $108 a month subsidy from the federal government. I'm willing to tell people that make $250,000 a year, you shouldn't get a penny from the federal government. So that Graham wants to make some changes to it. He wants to, uh, over the next 30 years, change uh, the uh, retirement age to 67. And so then uh, they, a Crossfire host asked Bernie Sanders, who's obviously going to be on the side of some sort of socialized medicine, say, Sanders, what do you think? I think Obamacare is a good Republican Romney-type program, which has worked in mass. <laughs> it's a moderate program, which addresses some needs. But let me be clear, and I want to throw this out to you guys. Okay. As you know, the United States of America, a very great country, is the only nation in the entire industrialized world that does not guarantee health care to all people as a right. Second of all, we end up spending almost twice as much per capita on health care as do the people of any other nation. Thirdly, our health care outcomes and our life expectancy falls behind many other countries who spend a lot less. So my own view is that we should learn from the rest of the industrialized world. Now, this is a common argument, but... I guess maybe at some point it's worth considering because when I look back at the medical prices over the last even 10 yeah. years, you know, what's crazy too is I've kind of seen this from the other end. I had a uh, one of a client of mine was uh, a doctor's office that specialized in like vaginal cancers. And I know it's it's about it's right. They <laughs> sorry, you should say the look of my face. They made so much money, Chase. Like eight doctors made so much money. So much money, like just the most ridiculous goodies. They yeah. would have pharma companies in there bringing them lunch every single day. I mean, there is so much profit being yeah. made off of vagina cancer. And it's not funny. It is it is awful. Yeah. It's like it's true. And like, you know, they're doing stuff like this is back before the iPad, man. They were getting touch screens built into the chairs where people were getting their uh, chemo treatment. And they had me set up like a media server in the back end so that way they could stream movies to all of the patients' chairs. And they had like these cool LED lights and like, it, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of toys that were just ridiculously expensive. Yeah, it means, it means nothing to the life expectancy of right, anything. Right, right. Yeah, it was just wasted. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, so there is a lot, you know, I have, I have watched, it's just, it is a very hard thing to watch all this happen and watch people make money off the suffering of others. Um, but 
you know, I'm going to watch. I'm like you, Chase. I'm going to sit back and watch where this thing goes and uh, probably sign up for my Obamacare. And uh, Because then, if you don't, Chris, the IRS will will become knocking yeah, and, exactly and, and, they'll, yeah. and they'll throw a fee on At you. At least they have that to nail over my head. Yeah. And then eventually I'll, I'm going to I'm, – I'm ready to call it Hillary Care when she steps in because I'm sure they'll make changes uh, to it. You, wait, wait. Is that a Red Book prediction? Are you predicting Hillary in the White House? So do you think what they call it – they'd call it Clinton Care, wouldn't they? Oh, okay. oh yeah, totally predicting Clinton in the White House. Yeah, now I'm just now I'm arguing over the semantics of what they're going to call our health care reform. Wow, wait, so wait, you guys right here, episode sixty-eight, September twenty-fifth, yeah. September twenty-fifth, right now, Chris has already predicted Hillary Clinton will be the next president of the United States. Hill Dog twenty sixteen, Hill Dog twenty sixteen, and the new health care program will be called. I think they're going to call it Clinton Care, right? It will not. Got- it will. It won't be called Obamacare. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, Hillary, uh, health care was a big cause of hers when she was first lady. Actually, so, so here's what will happen. It'll still be called Obamacare when she's inaugurated. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then eventually they'll make they'll, some sort of big there'll, be, there'll be a revision. Yeah. And it'll be uh, new the Clinton care. It'll either be because of like economic collapse or it'll be like like some big change they have to make. It's it's going to be there'll be some change and then when they change it they're going to start calling it probably I don't know. Clinton care doesn't roll off the tongue like Obamacare does. No, but you know what? There's nothing like Clinton care. Clinton care. I have my Clinton Care card. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get out of here for today, we should probably read some emails. Yes. I, I feel like the show notes were neglected this week. We didn't really go by our notes. There's tons of really good stuff in the show notes, including yeah. more information about every story we well, cover. That's what happens when you get two guys talking about things that we care about. Right. That's yeah, right. Go figure. All right. Very long email, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a drink of water real quick. All right. Mm, mm, nice. Mm. Nice. Mm, that That – Fluoride. Yeah, fluoride. That's what that is. Okay. Uh, hey, Unfilter. Murphy here. Hey, Murphy. There's Murphy. You know what really grinds my gears? Should I Should I play it for him? Yeah, go for it. You know what really grinds my gears? When the media pulls out their drum for the week, it suits their needs to be trashing on video games and to focus on what could be the bad aspects of them. They never come. They never cover the good side. Never. Like I've seen as a gamer. The one quote that probably pissed me off the most from these idiots was pretty much the saying... Oh, these guys, a killer because he locked himself away in his room, played violent video games, and chatted with people online. Yep. That's me right now. And it's who <laughs> and it's who I became a few years ago. If I didn't become that person, I probably wouldn't be here today writing this email to you guys. It was thanks to gaming and finding people online to talk to about interests similar to mine that got me through the hard times in my life where I didn't see uh, a point in going on anymore. It was thanks to these friends and because of your guys' influence on me and your support, I'm very happy that there's still a recording of that moment where I found my talent and I've been looking towards the bright future brightly since then. Yeah, see, gaming can have, you know, I've met several people where gaming has had a very positive yeah. influence. Like, first of all, it sets up a healthy reward structure where if things have been rough for a little while, there's a series of things you can do that feel very rewarding and self-gratifying. And I think that's important. There's also yeah. that social aspect where, you know, especially geeks and nerds, you know, in certain towns can really have a hard time finding their, their common their common folk, whereas online, you know, internet connectivity, TeamSpeak, Mumble, forums, yep. they chat rooms, they all eliminate that. Absolutely. My online friends have honestly become my second family. All this has been possible thanks to video games, some of which are violent, and attacked by the media anytime that suits their needs. I still don't understand how these idiots got the platform and keep the platform to spew this garbage to the people of America. Mm. At least there's smart people out there who are smart enough to realize the truth when it comes to how bad our news from sources like the ones last week have become. Mm. Very glad I'm seeking a major elsewhere... (laughs) 
And that is what really grinds my gears. Oh, Tom. Tom? And that, people, is what grinds my gears. Tom? Thanks for the email, Murphy. Good perspective. Our second email uh, comes in from Lasse, or Lass, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, Hi there, Chris and Chase. I've been following the Unfiltered Show a few months now, and I have decided to support you guys. Thank you. Even that, I study hard, and I need the money. I just have to help somebody who shines light on the things the public shouldn't know. I know every business wants feedback, and I will give it to you. All right. Now, I'm just talking about the Unfiltered Show. But what I like about it is that it's funny, and while I, I'm working, I can get a smile on my lips, even though that the topics are so serious, and I believe that is what we need at the moment. <laughs> because on the other hand, you have a guy like Alex Jones, who's giving you everything in a way you don't even want to live, if you know what I mean. Great guy, and I respect him, but it's not something you can put on the radio if people are around. But the Unfilter Show is something that you can talk about with your friends. And I love your small bell thing when you want to make a key point. For me, it's like this. Please notes that, yes, they did notes it. Oh, my gosh. It's Anderson Cooper, everybody. <laughs> you know, Best regards from Denmark. And, yes, you people are uh, we're over here in Scandinavia. We have a lot of great supporters that are outside the U.S. I think that's really cool. Yep. And so look forward to your supporter show tonight because you've got one coming your way. you got a good, meaty-sized one. Yeah, seriously. That's that supporter sure. show is probably too big at this point. It's probably too big. Wait, wait. Did you just say it was too, too big? Well, you know what? I don't know if that's the tubes That's not what she said. The Internet is a series of she, tubes, Chase. She, she, she wouldn't say that. All right, Chase. Well, before we get out of here, we should probably tell people about our subreddit, right? Yes, we have a beautiful page called unfilter.reddit.com where you can actually submit your stories. You can uh, vote you on things. Vote on comment. things. You know what? You don't even have to be the legal age to vote. Give feedback. We don't get feedback. We really. love feedback. We love upvotes and downvotes. If you go to the website, you oh. can join up. Now, Chris, oh. last week I made a prediction, and that prediction was 808. Yeah, look at the red book right now. And we actually blew through that. <laughs> 816 readers. Thank you, wow. each and every one of so you. Do you want to make a prediction or a goal for next week? I have to make a goal you think for next I can? week. I mean, I don't think you can keep your streak up. What do you want to... Man, what is my streak? It's a pretty good streak. Anyway, uh, I got to go with 828. 828, Chase? 828. That cannot be done. That cannot be done. I could dial it back. No, I mean, go bold, and then this right. will just break the streak, eight and it'll be over. We'll be, 828. So pressure will be off. Tell your friends about it, unfilter.reddit.com. Hey, Chase, where would I find you online? Well, there's many different places. Uh, I do have a, a kind of a hub, if you will. If okay. you head over to ChaseNunes.com. Oh, that's easy enough. You can follow me on Twitter, at Nunes. You can also uh, hook up with me and circle me on Google+. Uh, you know, I actually... Could I just watch something about Minecraft? Yeah, sure you can. It's called GeekGamer.tv. Oh, okay. We do shows about Minecraft, geek, gaming, technology. Nice. Pinball. Packs. Soccer, packs, all that fun stuff. Now, Chris. Yes, sir. You're a social media kind of guy. Yes, sir. You reach out there. You talk to people at 140, 140 characters yep. or less. Twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. Find you're out about shows, schedule changes, new announcements. Wow, wait. You're still in the mountains. I'm in the mountains. Mount Rainier, Chase. Uh, it's beautiful. so beautiful. It's very nice. Don't forget very also. gorgeous. The Unfiltered Show is live on Wednesdays over at JBLive.tv. Now, we're live. We usually start around 6 p.m. Pacific. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar has just been updated with the time zone selector, though, so you can pick it in your time well, the, and the best part about the pre-show is it's special it's neat and we get special guests too absolutely absolutely mr clinton all right everyone we'll be sure to tune in next week on a special episode of unfilter hopefully we'll be here actually we should have hold on we should have said so hold on real quick we'll play it out we'll play it out we're gonna play us out 
There might be a schedule change next week, so yes. stay tuned. Just you've been forewarned. Yeah, don't worry. Don't stress. Just keep an eye on yeah. Chris's Twitter. There you go. Yeah. There you go. All right, everyone. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.